0: Let's go to the book of Mark, book of Mark, and get right into God's word, because that's what we want to hear. Gospel of Mark, and we're going to chapter one. We only have three verses today, so we ought to get done pretty soon, right? What are you guys laughing at? Verse 40, 40, 41, and 42. Where the Lord says, and there came a leper to him, beseeching him and kneeling down to him and saying unto him, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched him and saith unto him, I will be thou clean. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him and he was cleansed. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give thanks for the privilege we have of being here today, for the freedom we have to meet, as we have done, as we are doing, in the name of the Lord Jesus. We don't have any other name to meet in. He is everything to us. We love him. And we pray that you will help us to draw nearer to him today, that he will be real to each of us. And we pray that your Holy Spirit will be working as we study the Scriptures Speaking to our hearts, for we know that we are men and women who are nothing without Christ, nothing without God. The Lord Jesus has taught us, I am the vine, you are the branches. And we know that we will never be anything but branches. We need that life from you, Lord. We need that power and that help from you. We know that we need the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts, to open our eyes, to illuminate us, to teach us the scriptures. And so we pray that you will be with us today, that you will do your work, and that you will preach and teach and encourage, give hope and correction, whatever is needed to every heart present today, that we all might be able to say, when we leave, today I met with the Lord. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. What is worse than AIDS? Very contagious. And the whole world already has it. We gave out a, a tract, a gospel tract, that said that in Spanish. We distributed it through the, the whole province, the mountainous province that we lived in. Que es peor que sida, muy contagioso, y todo el mundo ya lo tiene. See, now I know Emilio understands me. Porque hablamos el mismo idioma, ¿verdad? What's worse than AIDS. Very contagious, and the whole world has it. And a man came uh, out, and he took it, uh, took this piece of literature, and he looked at it, and he came running to us, and he said, eh, Afecta el ganado? He said, it, 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 do the animals, uh, does it affect the animals? He had a lot of sheep and goats. He was worried it was some epidemic. And we said, "Yeah, yes, it is an epidemic. It's called sin. In the Bible... God presents to us in many different ways the same message over and over again. Because he knows that sometimes we're dense. Sometimes we're distracted. Sometimes we're stubborn. And he keeps coming back to us with the same message over and over again. He uses one illustration, another illustration, another situation, different things telling us basically from Genesis to Revelation the same message over and over. And the message we have before us today is that same old story told in three simple verses and it gives to us an illustration of the problem of sin. What is more deadly? What's worse than AIDS? Sin. What is very contagious? If you're born, you have it. Sin. This is it. The whole world already has it. How difficult it is to see sometimes. We've been working on that this week. And we're going to continue to do it today. Today, sin is presented to us as a sickness. A sickness. These different um, incidents that we have in the Gospels, where people met the Lord... Uh, their contact with him, whatever their particular problem might be, the song they sang the other evening, that wonderful song about the man, the paralyzed man, that four friends brought him to the Lord. Everyone should have four friends like that, and you do have them. We were talking about that afterwards. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are your four friends who can bring you to the Lord. (laughs) But that paralyzed man, a blind man, a leprous man, A woman uh, with a problem for bent over for 18 years. Another woman with a flow of blood she can't stop for all of these years. All these different problems that people have in the scriptures were real problems. Literal problems. Historical, correct problems that they had. But they're also illustrations. They illustrate to us the problem of sin. And here we're looking at a man today who has something called leprosy. Leprosy. From the inside out. A condition that affects the whole body. And the skin begins to peel and rot and fall off. And finally the person dies of it. If you, um, what is the name of that, um, That mo- I'm trying to remember the name of the movie that Charlton Heston, uh, that's it. And uh, if you saw that, then you saw A little bit of what a leper's camp was like. That kind of leprosy didn't have a cure, humanly speaking. And here's a man that in three short verses, not in uh, weeks and weeks of therapy, not in years of study and self-improvement, but in three short verses, in a few short moments of time, all his problem was gone and he was a different man. He wasn't a different man because someone told him he was a different man. He was different. He could see it, and everyone around him could see it. He was different because the Lord touched him. I know the blood of Jesus can make the vilest sinner clean. And I know the touch of Jesus can make the vilest sinner clean. And he knew it. And he could have stood right up here with the gospel touch and sang that song. We're going to think about him for a few minutes. First of all, the man himself, verse 40, the leper Then we're going to think about the Lord in verse 41. And then we're going to think about the result of their meeting in verse 42. Not very difficult to follow. The leper, the Lord, and the result of their meeting. Let's think about the leper for a few minutes together. First of all, his condition. Leprosy in the Bible is an illustration of sin. It's a a real problem, but remember this. It illustrates another problem, a greater problem. And how many people there were in the scriptures who at one time or another were healed by the Lord of some problem, some physical problem that they had, but they never found faith in him? And how many people today are only interested in Jesus and church and God and the Bible to try to get rid of some physical problem they have? And the Lord is compassionate. The Lord does care about our ailments, our physical problems, and he has power to do greater works than any doctor could ever do. He does. But wouldn't it be sad to have your physical ailment healed and to still have that greater spiritual problem and to never be with the Lord for all eternity because the bigger problem never got touched. So we have a man here who has leprosy. Let's go back to the book of Leviticus and we're going to read a little bit about leprosy in the book of Leviticus. You know, a lot of times in the Old Testament, if you go back and read, you find the the beginning of the teachings. These things we find in the New Testament. A leper shows up, and we don't know much about leprosy and what it was like to be a leper, unless we go back and read in the Old Testament. And you go back and you take a concordance. You know what a concordance is? It lists, or you have they have them on computers now. You it lists alphabetically the words that are in the Bible. So you look it up. L A L E And you look up leper, and then it tells you the verses in the Bible where leper, leprosy, all those things are mentioned. And you begin to read. You come way back to the book of of Leviticus, chapter 13. And you begin to read. Chapters 13 and 14 in the book of Leviticus are dedicated to the problem of leprosy, to how to deal with it. What should be done? And one of the first things you learn as you're reading through the book, uh, or the chapter, chapter 13 of Leviticus is that leprosy was a disease that was recognized by looking at it. The symptoms were visible. And the children of Israel were told that if a person had something that looked like leprosy, they had to take him to the priest and the priest had to look at him. And he keeps using that word over and over again. Look at verse, uh, 25. Then the priest shall look upon it. And verse 26, but if the priest look on it, and verse 27, and the priest shall look upon him. Verse 32, the priest, uh, the seventh day, the priest shall look on the plague. Verse 36, then the priest shall look on him. Verse 39, the priest shall look. It keeps saying this over and over again. you got to look. you got to look. Now, why does God do that? Why does he keep repeating something like that? When I was in pilot training... We had to learn a lot about uh, the engines. We were interested in flying, but they wanted us to learn everything about the mechanics and the avionics of the plane, because if you're flying a jet at 20,000 feet and something goes wrong, you can't stop and consult a manual to find out what to do about it. You have to be able to remember and analyze and react instantly. You can't go and park it and call AAA service to come tow you in. So we had to learn all of these things. But since we weren't too interested in it, and they wanted us to pass the test, well, they would always uh, emphasize to us when they'd come to a point that they were teaching us that was important. And the way they did that was by stomping the foot. And they would say, how many revolutions, minimum revolutions, do you have to have on the engine during startup? 5,000 revolutions. That foot would start going. We'd all start riding like crazy people. Como locos. We would write it down. Because we knew that was going to be on the test, foot stomping. When God repeats things in the Bible, when we find a phrase or a word repeated over and over again, that's what he's doing. So you read, one of the ways we read and study the Bible is we look for things that are repeated. As we're reading along and we notice, sometimes it's a word, sometimes it's a phrase, sometimes it's a thought, it's the same idea, it's not exactly the same word, it's a little more difficult to see. But it's the same thought repeated in different words over and over again. And this is what we have here. Look at it. Look at it. Look at it. And then you come down to verse 44 and he says, He is a leprous man. He is unclean. The priest shall pronounce him utterly unclean. His plague is in his head. And the leper in whom the plague is, his clothes shall be rent, his head bare. And he shall put a covering upon his upper lip and shall cry, unclean, unclean. All the days wherein the plague shall be in him, he shall be defiled. He is unclean. He shall dwell alone without the camp shall his habitation be. There was no cure for leprosy. Lepers were not allowed to walk around in the midst of the children of Israel in their camp and their company unidentified. They were outside the camp. Their clothing was torn. Their tunics that they wore, they tore their, cl- their tunics. Their head was uncovered. They had to cover their, their lip, cover themselves, and they had to stand away from people and say, Unclean! No one could touch them. They couldn't live with their family. They lived a lonely life. Because they had a terrible disease, a contagious disease, a deadly disease, and no one could help them. And so they when they were identified as having leprosy, they were put outside the camp. Only God could help them. Only God could help them. So when we come to this man, this leper... This is a man who has a problem that he knows that no one, no doctor on earth, no priest, no amount of sacrifices in the temple, nothing can help him with his problem. He knows it. And he's lived that way. He doesn't tell us how many years he's lived that way. But this is the way he lives. A leper. A man who no one had touched for years. A man who hadn't sat down and had a meal with his family, hadn't been able to stand even and talk with his friends. A man who didn't know anything anymore about human companionship except with other lepers. But this day he's going to meet Jesus. Now, as we said that's the that's the condition of leprosy, the literal you want to call it the medical problem of leprosy described in the Old Testament. then come a little further in the New, in the Old Testament over to the book of Isaiah, and we're going to see another description of leprosy chapter 1 and here in Isaiah chapter 1 here the Lord speaking through the prophet describes a leprous person but he's speaking to the nation of Israel in a sense that tells him that the whole nation of Israel has leprosy but they don't have it physically they have it spiritually. He's, he's referring here to the spiritual condition of the nation of Israel at this time. He says in Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 5, Why should you be stricken any more? You will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick. The whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot to the head there is no soundness in it but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. What's he talking about here? He's not talking about a physical problem. Look at verse four, "O oh, sinful nation, people laden with iniquity, seed of evil-doers, children that are corrupters, they have forsaken the Lord, they have provoked the Holy One of Israel to anger. They are gone away backward. Now, in that context, in that context, not our imagination, near context, the very next verse, he begins to speak to them about a sickness that they have. And he's describing sin as a sickness. He's saying this whole nation is full of corruption, spiritual corruption, evildoers loaded down with iniquity, sinful people, he says. But then he begins to describe them this way. He says the whole head is sick. The head is sick. The heart is sick. The feet are sick. He says that from top to bottom, they're just covered with wounds and bruises and sores that are uh, full of pus, I- inflamed, uh, oozing. No, nothing is being done. No ointment. They're not bound up. No medication. They're just exposed. This awful looking sight. He's describing. What we could say the worst case or the worst uh, phase of the sickness of leprosy would look like in a person. It begins small. Maybe it's on their eyebrow. Maybe it's in their head. Maybe it's on their shoulder. Maybe it's on their foot or on their hand. But then it spreads and it spreads and it spreads. And pretty soon you see it all over the body. The whole head is sick. The head, the heart, and the feet. And this is a description of the human being. Not just the nation of Israel in its time. But is the way God looks upon people who have not been converted. He says you might be a nice person, a good neighbor. You might have money. You might have education. You might have health. You might be clever. You might be witty. You might be funny. You might be serious. You might consider yourself a deep thinker. You might be however you might be. But you have, in the eyes of God, a spiritual problem. You have a leprosy. The head is sick. You don't think right. You don't think right about God. You don't think right about yourself. You don't reason right. Someone said sin in a person, in a human being, is a form of dementia. Es una locura. We're crazy. We don't think right. God says, and so many times this has happened, you speak to people and you say, now look, in Romans here it says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, there's none that doeth good. And they sit and smile and look at you and say, you say, so what do you think your problem is? Oh, well, I'm basically a good person. I'm basically a good person. They're not thinking right. They're comparing themselves to other people. As we said the other evening. I haven't done some of the things that other people have done. But you're not thinking right. Sin affects the mind. Sin affects the thoughts. And people don't think right about themselves. They think they're okay when God says you have a serious, deadly disease. That's uncurable except in the hands of God. The whole head is sick. And the heart. The heart in the scripture its not talking about the muscle. It's talking about the seat of the emotions and the will. That inner part of us. How we react to things. How we decide and choose. And he said it's all wrong. The affections, the emotions, they're all sick. We enjoy things we shouldn't. And we are bored and uncomfortable with things that we should enjoy. Nobody more uncomfortable than a person who's not a born again Believer. When they're listening to the gospel being preached. Nobody more uncomfortable. Twist in the sea. Get up. Go in. Go out. They just can't stand it. They'd rather be watching a football game. They'd rather be out in the bay sailing. They'd rather be doing anything. Than listening to this man torture them. With these verses. And insult them. This is how they feel about it. The heart. Their affections are all out of place. They're all confused. They love things that won't mean anything in eternity. And they don't care about things. that really are the only things that can provide them hope. You talk to them about the gospel, and they're looking at their watch and thinking, when is he going to be done so I can go eat lunch? The whole head is sick. The whole heart is sick. And the feet... The feet in the Bible speak about the way our behavior, our conduct, our walk. They use the word walk in the Bible to describe our behavior. As you have received Christ Jesus, so walk in him. It's not talking about left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot. It's talking about our behavior, the way we live. So the head is sick. We don't think right. The heart is sick. We we don't love right. We don't feel right. And the feet are sick. We don't walk right. We don't live right. We don't act right. The whole person is sick. And leprosy affects a man from top to bottom. A person from bottom to top, completely eaten up by this. And every part of the person is affected. His thoughts, his emotions, his loves, his feelings, his behavior, his choices. Everything is affected by this. Leprosy illustrates sin. It is an incurable disease. Leprosy was uncurable, humanly speaking, and sin. Nobody in this room today, nobody in this country, and nobody on this planet can cure you of your problem with sin. You can go to psychologists until you don't have any money left, and they don't have any breath left to counsel you, and you will never solve the problem. It's just like putting band-aids on cancer. It doesn't solve the problem, it's incurable. Except by the touch of Christ. He's the only one who can do it. An incurable disease. It's a mortal disease. It's fatal. A person contracted leprosy. That was it. Finished. Cut us. Finished. There was no hope for them. It was over as far as they were concerned. All over but the crying at the end. And that's exactly the way it is with Sin. You don't get better with time. You can't reform your life. You can't turn over a new leaf. And make yourself a better person. And even if you could. In the prophet Isaiah. He tells the people. The children of Israel. And he tells us. He said. But God requires the things that are past. Suppose you could turn over a new leaf. But what about those things in the past? One time talking to a. A woman at a door in Spain, and she said, yo, yo, si que yo, yo, yo nada. She said, me, me a sinner, what have I done? What, she's about seven years old. She said, what, what can a person like me do? What could I possibly do? And uh, my companion who was with me, he looked right in the eye and he said, eh, nunca usted años? He said, were you never eighteen? And right in front of us, her face turned as red as a beet. And she said, man, be other. You caught me. Well, I'll tell you, she didn't understand the full problem. You sin when you're 12. You sin when you're five. You sin when you're five minutes old. David said, I was born in sin and conceived in iniquity. There's no such thing as innocence among human beings. said you caught me you can sin when you're 70 and you can sin when you're 80 and you can sin when you're paralyzed and when you're bedridden and you can't get out because you have a mind and in mark chapter 7 the lord says all the first thing of all these things that come out of the heart of man and defile the man what does he say At the top of the list first thing for out of the heart of man for from within out of the heart of man proceed evil thoughts and my friend you may have never committed adultery but you've done it in your mind You may have never stolen, but you have in your mind. You may have never said an ugly word to another person to their face, but you might have done it in your mind. And all these sins can be committed in the thoughts. We begin to realize as we look into our thoughts and we we see what goes on uh, behind the curtain, but we don't let other people see what goes on inside of us. We begin to see that what we are is worse than anything we have done. And we don't just need to be forgiven for having made a mistake here or, or an error there, or having offended someone here, or I admit I did this wrong, and, and will forgive me for that, and that's it. That's not the problem. The problem is the spiritual leprosy. It's in there, and it's producing. The sins are the symptom of the sickness. You know what I'm saying? Do you hear what I'm saying? The sins are the symptom of the sickness. I don't just need to be for God to forgive me for some things that I have done wrong. I need God to change me from the inside out. And that's what salvation is. And too many times today people confuse Christianity with something that's there for people who know they've done a few things wrong and they want to be forgiven. So they go join the church and they cry a little bit or they whatever they want to do and then they feel better. Now I've turned over a new leaf and I don't do those things anymore. But they never dealt with the real problem. The real problem is me. It's not what I did. It's me, oh Lord. It's me. Now this leper, you see, he's got a mortal disease. He's going to die of it. He's got an untouchable disease. He's unclean. That's the word that's used. And he's got a disease that everyone around him can look at him and tell when he's got it. And I'm going to tell you something else too. When he gets rid of it, everybody around him is going to be able to look at him and tell he's rid of it. He's not going to look like a leper, he's not going to smell like a leper, and he's not going to act like a leper when he gets rid of it. And if there's one thing that evangelicalism has trouble with today, it's a bunch of lepers walking around in clean clothes. People who dress up and try to cover up the leprosy, but out underneath those wounds and putrefying swords, though they never show them to anybody. They put on all the makeup. They get the spiritual facelift. Nobody ever sees it. But you know, when you look at yourself in the mirror, you know. And those quiet moments when you stop and you turn off the TV and the radio and the walkman and everything else that occupies your mind and you be still and you think. You know. That you have a problem. You know that you're not what you want other people to think you are. And you know what? God already knows it. He knows more about you and the bad side of you than you do. And he loves you anyway. So you might as well stop trying to fake it. And come to terms with him. This is what I like about this man. This man was a leper. Okay, this man was a leper. Israel couldn't help him and everything you want to say. But what did this man do that was right? What did Nicodemus do? Nicodemus wasn't a leper, but what did he do? He came to Jesus. What did the leper do? He didn't sit at home saying, well, you know, if he really is the Messiah and knows everything, and here I am with leprosy, nobody comes to my house to visit me. Where does he come over here and help me? He doesn't do that. He didn't wait and he hears the news. He said, oh, he went to such and such a place and he helped ten lepers there and he went here and he helped a blind man. Oh, that's real nice. Why does he help them and he doesn't help me? He doesn't do that. He has an opportunity. He comes to Jesus. His human responsibility. You can't cure yourself. But you can draw near to someone who can. And it's not me. It's not me. It's Jesus. You see, and that's what we do. We try to help people come to Jesus. We don't believe that we can do anything for them except tell them it's him. Go to him. Go to Jesus, get along with him, and you'll get your problem solved. He can do it. An untouchable disease, an incurable disease called sin. Let's go and look at that for just a few minutes before we go on to his behavior. Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7, Isaiah said the whole heart is sick. And in Mark chapter 7, the Lord Jesus talks about the heart. He says in Mark chapter 7 and verse uh, 20. And he said, that which cometh out of the man, that defiles the man. For from within, out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these things come from within and defile the man. Where's the problem, according to Jesus? Words of Jesus. Where's the problem? It's not out there. It's not what they do and they say the problem is in here. It's on the inside. It's the heart of man. So we read these verses. And oftentimes reading these verses, I say, well, do you see yourself described in these verses? Is there anything in these verses that you do? Anything in here that describes anything about your life. Because if there is, and you you look and you see it, then you just saw leprosy. It's there. But you have to look. They had to take him to the priest in the Old Testament, and he looked. People had to look. And you know, this is the problem that a lot of us have today. A lot of, a lot of the reason why people never come to terms with God and never find true Christianity is because they don't want to look. They don't want to take a good, hard look at themselves, a good, hard, objective look at themselves in the light of the Scripture. They don't want to do it. They want to feel good about themselves. They want to excuse themselves. They want to compare themselves. I thank thee, God, that I am not as other men. They have plenty of things to say. But if you ever just stop and look, if you go to the doctor, what do you want him to do? Can you imagine that? Go to the doctor and say, Well, I'm here for my yearly checkup, but don't look at me. Don't look at me. He said, He says, What does he do? He says, Come in the room here, take your clothes off, and put this gown. and say, Uh uh-uh. uh. So I, I just came in because I thought I'd hadn't seen you in a year and we could sit down and talk for a few minutes, have a cup of coffee and, and then I'm leaving, see, I don't want you to look at me because that makes me uncomfortable and people don't like that and they don't like it when through the scriptures we begin to look and we invite them to look and we say, look at this, look at this, oh they don't want to do that and they say, oh look at me, look at him, look at what she did, look at what they do, and the Lord said, uh uh-uh, uh look at you look at you, he says tell the doctor, don't look at me don't analyze me. Now, we're just going to take a, a blood sample here. No, no, no. What do you want to do that for? Don't analyze my blood. I don't want to know what's in it. I'm okay, and I don't need to know. What I don't know won't hurt me. Don't tell me about no cholesterol. Don't tell me about any other kind of problem. I don't want to hear it. Just leave me alone. Let's have that cup of coffee, and I'm going, on. whatever you do, don't diagnose me. And what do we say sometimes when people open the Bible Or they invite us to, or they quote a scripture to us. We say, you're judging me. You're diagnosing me. I don't want to be diagnosed. I don't want to be looked at. I don't want to be analyzed. I don't want to be diagnosed. I just want to have a little friendly talk, and let's all be friends and feel good about each other and ourselves, and that's it. And the Lord keeps saying... You need to look. You need to look. That word that keeps coming up in the book of Exodus, chapter 13, look at him, look at him, look at him. He says, look, examine. And if you do, you'll see the problem. He said, why do you people at San Ramon Valley Bible Church always do this? Why are you always harping on this? Well, I'll tell you why. <laughs> because we're lepers who've already been cured. Amen. <laughs> We had it too. We know what it's like to get in contact with Jesus Christ and to have that sin taken away and to have, to have all of that ugliness cleansed in a moment of time and to have a new life and to be made a new person. See? We're not talking about an emotional experience or joining a social club. We're talking about having your life changed from the inside out. See? And he can do it. He can do it. So we're not going to say that to the doctor and we're not going to treat God and the scriptures any different. We're not going to come here and open the Bible and say, "Okay, I'm here, but don't look at me and don't analyze me and don't diagnose me. Because I just came to say hello on Sunday and to be nice and let me out of here. I'm ready to go eat. You're going to go eat a leper's meal how much can you enjoy that food when you know you're dying of leprosy? You see, leprosy in the Bible is a symbol, a figure of sin. Look at Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Just another of the many texts in the scriptures that talk to us about what's on the inside of us. Verse 28. Even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents. Without understanding, truth breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. So he even includes here the vicarious sinning. You don't only do it But you enjoy watching other people do it. You take your entertainment from that. In the movies and television. Do you enjoy watching people do things that God considers sin? That God calls sin? Is that that entertainment? Is that artistic interpretation? Not according to the Bible. Not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. And you have all the whole range of sins here. From children who are disobedient to parents to people who are murderers. And envy in this section of the scripture is just as bad as murder. You see, we like to classify the sins. These are the mortal sins and these are the venial sins. And The Bible says that all sin is mortal. Yes. All sin is deadly. It's fatal. No such classification. He says, who knowing the judgment of God, verse 32, that they who commit such things are worthy of death. That's the judgment of God. And don't go out of here and say that I said that I judged you and said that because I'm not doing that. I told you before, I'm the Western Union boy. All I do is deliver the telegram. God wrote this. Knowing the judgment of God, God judges this way. God said it. That's it. So one of these days, whether you agree with me or not, whether you're comfortable with what I'm telling you about these things or not, one of these days you're going to meet God. And he's already told you in his word what his judgment is on the situation. You don't have to wait and see how it's going to turn out in court, friend, because the judge has already told you here. Those who commit such things are worthy of death. And that sentence isn't going to change. And no Supreme Court and no United Nations and no Human Rights Association and no anyone anywhere is going to make God change his judgment. His judgment is final and it's righteous. And this is what the scripture has to say. He talks in these verses. You look at the things described here. He talks about things that are attitudes. He talks about things that are acts, they're deeds that you commit. He talks about feelings. He talks about thoughts. Everything is mentioned here. All different kinds of sin. So you say, well, I I have not committed murder. If you had an evil thought, that's also a symptom of leprosy. See? You have envy. That's leprosy. Here are the symptoms. Look at it. Look at how the Bible describes it. And in Galatians. Galatians chapter 5 come over a few more books Galatians chapter 5 verse 19 Now the works of the flesh are manifest which are these adultery fornication uncleanness lasciviousness or sensuality is that word idolatry witchcraft hatred Variants, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And today they say people who do those things are carnal Christians. They say they're worldly Christians. Oh, they're just untaught Christians. They're just Christians that don't have the same convictions that you do. They just look at things a little different. They say. And the Bible says, the Holy Spirit says, the people who do those things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. God's not going to have anybody affected by leprosy in heaven. No spiritual lepers in heaven. That kind of stuff's not going to make it there. Look at 1 Corinthians. Go back now uh, to 1 Corinthians. We're going back the other way. Chapter 6, verses 9 to 11. 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators nor idolaters. We have to use that, that word a lot in our country country I live in Spain idolaters nor adulterers nor effeminate nor abusers of themselves with mankind nor thieves nor covetous nor drunkards nor revilers nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God and such were some of you but you are washed you are sanctified but you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. Now, the Lord makes it very clear in these passages that we've been reading that on sin, he has placed the death penalty. But since we're talking about the the question of sin as a sickness, we have to say the Lord has made it clear to us that sin is a spiritual and fatal disease that cannot be cured. Religion cannot cure it. Philosophy cannot cure it. Money and education cannot cure it. There's nothing that can be done. To cure this, except to come to Jesus Christ. He is the only one who can cure the problem of sin, the spiritual leprosy. And this is the problem that affects churches also. Too many evangelicals, so people who call themselves Christians, people who believe that they're Christians, but they have never seen themselves as lepers. I don't mean they never heard a message about leprosy. I'm not talking about that, but I mean they've never seen themselves this way. They've never been in this condition. They've never had this sense that they were contaminated from head to foot and that nobody could help them and they were getting worse and worse. They never did this, the, the, the leper did here in Mark chapter 1. They never came to Jesus and said, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. They were disgusted. They were frustrated. They they were in a state of panic and desperation like this man over their spiritual condition. No, they just eased in. They just came in and sat down and waited a few weeks or months. And then they uh, picked up the language. And then maybe even they said, I believe in Jesus. And, and they got baptized. Now they got wet. Well, you know what happens if you baptize a person who hasn't repented and trusted Christ? All you got is a wet sinner. So they do that, and, and, and then they're in. See, they think, well, I came, and, and I sang the hymns, and I read the Bible, and I prayed, and I cried a little bit, and I got baptized. Well, that's it. Well, that's it. And they can't ever remember a time in their life when they felt utterly disgusted and frustrated and worried sick about their own spiritual condition. They didn't come to Jesus that way. They came and they talked to uh, to please one of their friends. They talked to the pastor. They talked to the preacher. They talked to somebody. And they said a little prayer. And they said, well, now mama will be glad. Now my parents will will be okay with me. I know they really want me to get saved. So I'm going to try this. I'm going to do this. People used to wear that little button called try Jesus. What do you mean try Jesus? 30 days risk free. What are you talking about here? (laughs) Jesus never said try me. That's not the way he talked. And this concerns me. And it should concern every person here today. If you think you're a Christian. And you don't ever remember a time in your life. When you were deeply concerned. And upset about your own. Personal spiritual condition. And you came desperate. To the Lord looking for help. Well I don't know what you think. You got saved from. See. If you don't get saved from your sin. What do you get saved from? I don't know. Like we say in Spanish, ¿Y ¿esto como se come? How do you eat that? What do you do with that? This man had a problem, and he knew he had a problem. And the Lord says in Revelation 21, 27, he's talking about the heavenly city, he said, Neither shall there enter into it, heaven, anything that defiles... Anything that's contaminated. Heaven is a wonderful place, full of glory and grace. There I'll see my Savior's face. We just sing that. And that's the way heaven is. There's not any leprosy in heaven. Not any sin in heaven. Not any people with attitude problems. They learn to outward behavior, but on the inside they're full of all this other contamination. It's not there. That's all gone in heaven. Neither shall there enter into it. I'll tell you what, there's one thing heaven has. It's not St. Peter, but heaven has a good doorkeeper. Nothing's going to get in that's unclean. You know who the doorkeeper is? It's the same person who's the door. Jesus Christ said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. You don't get in by coming to Jesus and saying, what's happening? Uh, got, got room for one more in there? People who come to Jesus are desperate. They're not trying to get in a social club. They're not trying to please somebody. They're dealing with a problem that they have. And they know it's a serious, a fatal problem. And he's the only one who can help them with it. You think this man didn't know that? This is not a boy. This is not a young bird. This is a man. He's got leprosy. He's lived a few years. And he knows nobody else can help him. And he comes to Jesus. Because he's his last hope. Now you hear me. He's your last hope too. He's your only hope and your last hope. And if you don't know that now, you're going to know it. We wish you would know it now. Have you seen yourself that way? You ever seen yourself afflicted with spiritual leprosy? Have you ever seen the sin and the ugliness of your own heart? Have you ever been able to say about yourself, honestly, I know the diagnosis. And when these verses talk about all these lists of sin, they're talking about me. I'm not going to get this, a copy of this and give it to someone else because it's talking about me. It's describing me. Could you put on a big sign this morning and wear it big as this piece of paper we had that said sinner and just put it on and wear it around for a week? Would you like to do that? You don't want people to know that. We hide that with our behavior. We put on a suit. We put on makeup. We dye our hair. We do all these things. We try to make the outside look nice. And spiritually, we do these things too. We try to hide that from people. We don't want them to see the ugly side. We don't want them to see these things. And then we begin to believe the lie. Because we're successful in hiding them from some people. We begin to believe the lie. We begin to believe that we're okay. Well, you can believe that if you want to. As I told someone the other day, God has a different take on you, if you want to call it a take. God sees things differently. Now, of the two between you and God, which one do you think might be mistaken? Is that like that question where they say, guess which hand the marble is in? The leper has this condition. If there's somebody here today with that condition, why do we dwell on sin? Why do we talk about these things? Because, dear friend, we want you to see the condition because we had to see it. And when we saw it, when I saw how bad off I was, I went to the feet of Jesus and I said, Lord, help me. Lord, save me. Lord, I'm serious. I need to be saved. And I knew things. I was 24 years old. I've been raised in the church I had been baptized when I was 13. I sat in the conferences. I could have said, you know, well, I trusted Jesus as my Savior. I could have said that back then, and I got baptized. The Bible says, and the man who preached the night I got saved, the Bible says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. He said, you might have heard the voice of Jesus, but if you're not following him, don't deceive yourself into thinking you're one of his sheep. The Lord Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, I know them and they follow me. They do two things. A lot of people heard. A lot of people saw in Israel. A lot of people around this leper. And a lot of people around these other people. They saw and heard the works and the teachings of Christ. And they were never changed by him. They weren't changed. They didn't follow him. And You think because you've heard. You read a little of the Bible. You've been a little to church. You try to be basically a good person. You think. Because you know something about Jesus or something about Christianity. Man, woman, you better get it straight. Because if you make a mistake, it's for all eternity. The stakes are high. They're high. It's forever, you see. So he came. Because he knew he had a problem. And this, those of us who are believers, we need to think about this. Don't try to help people become Christians in the sense of telling them to pray and this kind of thing. If they don't see that they have a problem. See, a lot of times we like to hurry over what we call the bad news. And that's what I've been hammering on. And I know it and I'm not going to apologize for it. If you don't like it, you know where the door is. Why do we we hammer on the bad news so much? Because I know that the minute you see you got leprosy spiritually, you're going to go right to the one who can save you. I know that. And why do you stay away? Why don't you move? Because you don't think you're so bad. You don't think you have a problem. So what we do is not try to devise certain prayers and methods of getting people to come into Christianity. What we do is we try to show people honestly where the problem is, the bad news, and then the good news is... That Jesus Christ is the one who can take all of that away. He died on the cross at Calvary. We've been quoting that verse all week. He says, he bore our sins in his own body on the tree. That's what he was doing. He was hanging there. He was carrying my sins and he was being punished for my sins. And he's the only one who can forgive me. One time a man was dying. He was on his deathbed and the priest came in to see him. He came in to do the, you know, what the extreme, uh, what do they call it, extreme unction. What do they? They call that extreme unction in uh, right. in English. That's yeah. Right. And they, he came in and they, to do. He got out the his little things and was getting ready, and he had his little bell and he had his water, his holy water. And he's and the and the man's laying there in the bed looking at him. And he says, "Wait a minute." He said, "Let me see your hands." So the priest held out his hands like that, and he said, "Uh-uh, I'm sorry." He said, the man that forgave my sin has holes of nails in his hand, has nail prints in his hands. Who can forgive sin but Jesus only? Who can forgive sin? Who can forgive sin but God only? And Jesus is God. It was a good question. It has a good answer. You see, So this man does it. He makes a wise decision. It says he came to him. He came to Jesus. He drew near to him because he wanted what Jesus had. He came with a sense of need, like that woman that day in Capernaum when the Lord was going to Jairus' house, and that woman came through the crowd and she knelt down and she touched the edge of his tunic. And the Lord turned around and he said, who touched me? You can just imagine the response of the disciples. It was as if they said, Lord, all this crowd around, wouldn't it be easy to tell you who didn't touch you than who touched you? What do you mean, who touched you? But he knew what he meant. He knew what was going on. Did he really need to know who touched me? He already knew that. Why did he ask the question? Well, the questions of the Lord. He's God. He doesn't need to learn anything. His questions are not to acquire information. His questions are for the purpose of giving a person an opportunity to identify the source of their deliverance, for example, in this case. And when she said it was her, then people knew because they knew her. People in these towns knew each other. All these years she had this trouble. You know when, when the women had what they call the bloody flux. You know it was like a constant menstrual period and it wouldn't stop and it wouldn't stop. And she'd been years and years and been to all the doctors and she was worse and not better. Go back and read in the Old Testament that when that occurred to a person. That woman was unclean and everything she touched was unclean. And nobody could help her. The whole time she had this. She came and touched the Lord, and it was gone instantly. And the Lord wanted the people of the children of Israel to know that you can have a problem that's been afflicting you for years. You might have had it five years, ten years, eighteen years, twenty years. You might have had that problem. You might be sixty or sixty five or seventy here today. And you might say, Well, for the young people, I'll go to be with them, but I it isn't for me, you know, I've already lived my life. Listen, friend. All it takes is a touch. Jesus is not looking at your age. He's not looking at how long you had the problem. He's not looking at the things you've done. He said, if you knew, but he does know. He does know. See? and That woman touched him and she was healed. Now, how many other people were around Jesus that day? And they all went home just the same way they came. But she came in faith. She came with a sense of need. And she touched him like this man here, this leper. And she was healed. And he comes and he says... Now, we're going to look at him, his, his behavior. He comes and he says, eh, Lord, and he, and he beseeches him and he kneels down. He says, if you will, you can make me clean. He did the only thing he could do. He went to Jesus. And he knew the Lord could help him. And what would you do with a person who, had a, who has the fatal sickness of sin? A person who has sin on the inside, sin all in their heart, sin is affecting their body, their life, their behavior, their treatment of other people, their thoughts, and and it gets more and more contaminated as you go along and you know they're finally going to die in this condition. What would you do with somebody like that? Oh, dress them up, put a robe on them. Tell them to go light some candles. How's that going to help? Religious lepers. How's that going to help? Send them to a room full of well people. Send them to, go, go sit with those people. If it's a person who's sick uh, with leprosy or somebody, like say, go, go sit in a room over here. There's a whole room full of people who don't have any leprosy. You go sit with them for a while. Not going to get him well? Sit with all the well people. Go to church. If you have a problem with sin, go to church. I have a few problems in my life. I'm going to go to church. Are you going to go sit with the well people? Well, some are. Some others come and sit, and they're sick too. But sitting with the well people, that's not going to do it. What are you going to do with the person who's sick? They've got leprosy. Send them to the library. Do a report on leprosy. Go study leprosy. Get out the encyclopedia. Get online and ticky, and ticky, ticky, www.leprosy.com and look it up and study it and, because, and start a, a recovery group and a, uh, for people who got leprosy. Y'all get together and cry on each other's shoulders and talk about it. How's that going to help? People think that knowledge cures our problems. Well, knowledge might help you with some problems. But knowledge alone will not help you with the problem of sin. First of all, you have to know you got the problem. So up to there, knowledge is good. But knowing it and admitting it is not the same thing as getting the help you need. Jesus has got the help. You know you got the problem. Jesus has got the help. What are you going to do? You're going to send him to a doctor who can cure him, right? I know a doctor who cures these cases. You're not going to send him to a room full of well people. You're not going to send him to the library or the university. You're going to send him to the doctor because he's the one who can take care of it. And that's what we do. We tell people, you need to meet with Jesus. You need to meet with him personally. He can cure your problem. So he comes. He comes to him. And it says here, he beseeched him. He's bowing down. You see that? Kneeling down to him. He didn't come up and say, what's happening, Messiah? How's it going with you? He did try to ease into some conversation and say, well, I'm going to wait until maybe we can. Can I talk to you for a minute and get off alone and say, I think I might have a little problem. He came right up running down in front of everybody, got down on his knees. He was down there saying, Lord, help me. He's looking up at him. Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Lord, and he's down here like this. What is he doing down there? Did he have to do that? He wanted to do that. Was he ashamed to let other people see he had a problem? Was he going to run off in the corner somewhere? He's going to say, well, I'll pray about it. I'll go home and Pray about it and think about it. You know what? Hypocrites are afraid to be exposed in public. They are. People who are fakes, people who are deceived, people who are shallow, and people who know that something is bad wrong, but they're not ready to deal with it. They are afraid to be exposed in public. But when you know you have a problem, you don't care who's looking. Say it right now, right now. One man got up one time and a man was preaching about hell. He got up, and he came, and he ran, and he he kneeled down right in front of the pulpit where this man was preaching, and he's crying, and the man kept on preaching. The man, he's kneeling down there crying out loud, and everybody heard him. One of the deacons got up, he went over, and he waited on him. He said, control yourself, brother, control yourself. And the preacher said, get away from him and let him cry. Hell ain't half full yet. He said, let him cry. Quit trying to tell him to control himself. You know, I think sometimes that's what needs to happen. People just need to get up right then and get on their knees. Amen. You can come up here if you want to. Go back there if you want to. But get your help. The Lord is here. He passed by where this man was, and that man said, I'm not waiting. I'm not counting on tomorrow. I'm doing it today. And he got up there, and he knelt down. He wasn't afraid to let anybody see him. Because you know what? The way he was getting ready to be, he wasn't going to be afraid to let anybody see that either. He knew that if the Lord helped him, everybody was going to see and He was going to be clean, and he was going to go home, and he was going to be a different man, and he was going to be a different friend, and he was going to have all his family and his friends all around him again. He was going to touch people. He was going to eat with people. He was going to have fellowship. Everything was going to be different. He knew it. This was his opportunity. So why are you going to sit there in the spiritual cold locker, the freezer, and wait when you can get up and come to the Lord. Why are you going to put it on hold when you can come to Him? He came and He kneeled. He's humble and He's pleading. He recognized His need. You know, I think about what He said If you will, you can make me clean. He didn't say, uh, You can help me improve my life. He said, You can make me clean. Because you know what He knew He was? He knew he was the opposite of clean. He knew he was dirty. He was contaminated. He was filthy. He knew that he was eaten up with this problem. He said, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. He knew who had to answer. But well, this is the problem people have today. They come near to Christ. They read the Bible. They come to a meeting. And they hear a sermon. And they're thinking... But they're not thinking clear yet. They don't talk to Jesus about what they need. No, well, uh, I came because, well, you see, I have a problem at home. My brother or my aunt or my father or my husband or my wife, and I'd just like you to go and visit them. Somebody else. The Lord is looking him in the eye. The Lord knew what his problem was, and he knew what his problem was. He said, I'm not clean, Lord, and you can make me clean. And I wonder, do you know what your problem is today? Do you think that clearly about your spiritual condition? Each of us. Socrates, I don't quote Socrates much, but he said, the unexamined life is not worth living. The unexamined life is not worth living, and yet a lot of people do that. They go through life running from that examination. They don't want to know it. They don't want to examine it. You're going to have to eventually. He knew that he had it bad. He knew that the Lord could cure him. And that's why he came. And he knew it depended on one other thing too. He had to ask for it. He wasn't just going to go stand out there on the road and wait for Jesus to walk by and let some of that holy air. You know, one time I was in, been to Israel a lot of times and stayed and taught in the churches there and visited other countries around it. There's a bookstore in Jerusalem that used to sell bottles of air from the Holy Land. Now, they'll make money off of anything. Well, they, I say, I wonder if they knew that last night the breeze was blowing from Jordan. So, so, so they got Jordanian air. They didn't get it. They didn't. So you gonna stand there by the road and wait for this little holy air to roll off of Jesus as he goes by? So I was there. I saw him. I was near. But I went to church, but nothing happened. Huh? I went to church. They invited me to go. And I went to church. And I sat there. And I waited for it to happen. But nothing, nothing happened. It didn't work for me. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? It didn't work for you. There's not any magic here. It's not going to come oozing out of the ceiling. It's not in the air. It's not a secret. It's Jesus Christ. You want help? You say, Lord. You don't talk to me. You talk to him. Lord. If you will, you can make me clean. I'm dirty. It's me. Lord, help me. See? And you ask for it, and you get it from Him. How many people go to hell because they're too proud to say, It's me. I'm unclean. How many people go to hell after being near Jesus like so many of those people there? They were near. They went. They listened. They thought. They waited for it to hit them. They waited for some emotional experience. And that's not it. Salvation does not take place in your emotions. When God forgives a person that takes place in heaven, yes. he declares that person forgiven and clean. And then, of course, you do feel something. But it's not emotions first. And it's not going to hit you. People say, I received the touch. What are you talking about? I, I felt this warm feeling come over me. Oh, you spilled your hot chocolate. What are you talking about? This is, this is, this is not touchy-feely this is I know what my problem is and I'm coming to the Lord with a clear idea of who He is and what He can do for me. You're a sinner. Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. You have a problem with thoughts. You have a problem with anger. You have a problem with words, with deeds. Your life is not what it should be. You don't do the things you should and You do the things you shouldn't. And why do you do that? Because you're a spiritual leper. And Jesus can make you clean. You don't need to be reformed. You need to be spiritually born again. You can make me clean, he said, if you will. He knew he had to come. He knew he had to ask him. And that's what we're telling you: Go on, ask him. Don't wait to talk to me. Go on and ask him. Lord, make me clean. Make me clean, Lord. See, this is what happened. Because if you do that, it says, Jesus... Now we come to the Lord. Jesus moved with compassion. As you think, if you're exposed, it's going to be embarrassing. If you're exposed for who you are, it's going to be embarrassing. But it's not. The Lord never laughs at or ridicules a person who comes to Him with that sense of need. The Lord has compassion. He has compassion. And you know what? Every true Christian who sees a person come to the Lord and expose themselves as the leper who needs to be cleansed. Every true Christian feels that same compassion because I've been there. And I know that if it wasn't for Jesus Christ, I'm nothing but a lousy leper. I don't have anything to be proud about. No, no. So the Lord has compassion, you see. This is what he feels. He loves us. He wants to help us. But he will not help you if you don't come to him and ask for it. He won't do it. He won't force your will. He won't impose himself on you. You've got to ask for it. See, Get rid of that pride. Get rid of that stubbornness and say, help me, Lord. And he will. He put forth his hand and he did what no one had done. Who knows how many years it had been. Remember that in Leviticus? They had to go outside the camp. They were unclean. Nobody could touch them. How long had it been since that man felt anyone put a hand on his shoulder? How long had it been since he felt the touch of affection? How long had it been since he felt the touch of a friend? How long had he been alone and miserable in his loneliness? I don't know, but the first thing Jesus did, he knew what he needed. He reached out and he touched him. You can't contaminate Jesus with your sin. The, the, the Israelites, they couldn't touch him because they get leprosy. But Jesus is holy and righteous. And that holiness and that righteousness goes out of him to those whose lives he touches. See? He could touch that leper. Nobody else could. But he could. He touched him. And he made him clean. He said, I will. Let there never be a doubt about the will of Jesus Christ. That man came with a little bit of a doubt. He said, if you will. And Jesus cleared it all up. He said, I will. Jesus said, and he's saying today, the problem is not on God's side. Nobody remains an unbeliever. Nobody keeps their spiritual leprosy. Nobody goes to hell because God wants them to. The scripture says in 2 Peter 3, 9, that God is not willing that any should perish. So, my friend, if you perish, it's your own fault. He came to Jesus and said, if you will, he said, well, let me clear that up for you. I will. I will. He said, be clean. And that's all it took. He didn't say, okay, sounds good. Uh, how about every week at this time for an hour? It's not a process. He didn't say, well, come on, let's meet and we'll see how it goes. The Lord didn't have to say that. He said, I will be clean. And it says, that, that word I like so much in the book of Mark, it keeps being repeated in the book of Mark. Immediately, it says immediately, this is the result, as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him and he was, and he was what? And how do we know that? Well, we know it because the Bible says it. How did they know it? Uh Uh-huh. We said we were going to get to that, didn't we? And we're at the end now, so calm down. I'm ready to go eat too. But this is more important than food. And if it's necessary to stay here all afternoon, I would gladly do without food to see somebody come to the Lord and get clean. Don't go telling me that you're a Christian if you still got leprosy. Don't go telling me that Jesus touched you at that time in your life and so and so, because I know a time and I did this and that. And you're looking at your life and you say, it's full of leprosy still. What do you mean? You mean Jesus is a fake You mean he's one of these people that goes around from county to county with a tent saying they heal people and the next week those people got the same thing they had and those people that were healed of cancer die of cancer and that person whose leg was twisted ends up twisted again and all of these other things. Is that what Jesus does? My friend, if you haven't found reality in the spiritual life, if you don't know what it means to have forgiveness and a new life, then you haven't been cleansed. You might have religion, and it might be evangelical religion, but I'll tell you one thing. When you come into contact with the power of God in the person of Jesus Christ, you will be clean. You will be clean. What does it say in Revelation? He washed us from our sins in his own blood. I'm not a perfect person. I didn't become perfect when I got saved. I'll just go ahead and tell you, because one day I was talking to a man and he said, "Oh, you know, I don't, I, I'm a." And we were reading about sin in the Bible, and he said, "Yeah, but I don't do any of those things." And he, everything he did was okay with him. And I said, mm-hmm. "I said, can I talk to your wife for a minute?" <laughs> he said, "What for?" I said, "I want to ask her if what you just said is really true. I want to ask your wife if you're really all that good." He said, <laughs> 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 "He knew what that was about." <laughs> So I'll go ahead and confess I'm not a perfect person. But I'll tell you one thing. I'm not who I was. I don't have two decks of cards. I played with two decks before. And that's what we say in Spanish. Juega con dos barajas. I didn't do that. I don't do that anymore. God changed me. The thoughts, the desires, the appetites, the deeds... The priorities, the loves, everything changed. Everything changed from the inside out. You don't need to get religion. You need to get Christ. You can have religion and be a religious leper. But if you get Jesus Christ, you'll be clean. You'll be clean. And that's what we want to say. What the Gospel Touch saying today. I know, yes, I know. Jesus' blood can make the vilest sinner. That's why he died on the cross of Calvary He's waiting for you to come to him So he can apply the value Of that death on Calvary to you In an instant of time Take away all of your sins He died for you He lives for you And he's waiting He's here today And he's waiting for you To come to him Let's pray Lord Jesus we thank you this morning That you are the one who says I will We thank you that you're the one who wants us And you're the one who can help us. We pray for those who perhaps today for the first time have thought about these things in this way. That they would see their spiritual leprosy and realize that you are the only one that can help them. They would just be humble enough to come to you and to get down in that low position and say, Lord, help me. Lord, cleanse me. Take this sin out of my life. Wash me clean and make me a new person. You died for me. Lord, I give myself to you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.